Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. There it is. I hit the button. The train is leaving the station. I'm excited. It's like I'm on the roller coaster and you guys don't know who I'm talking to yet, but I'm really excited. Why? Because she is an absolute badass. She is constantly on podcasts. She's got her own podcast. She's she's one of the most requested people you can imagine. Who is she though? She's an entrepreneur. She is a leader, a thought leader, an author, a podcast host, um, serial entrepreneur, honestly, all these things, award-winning Wall Street Journal bestselling author. Why is she even here? How is she talking to me? Let's go. I have no idea. She's the host of the Fascinating Entrepreneurs podcast, which you definitely need to check out. Link is in the notes. Her book, Relentless, From Homeless Teen to Achieving the Entrepreneur Dream. Gonna have to add that. I just found out about that. Founder of Memoir Sherpa, Natasha Miller. Welcome. Casey, thank you. How how are we even chatting? I don't even know what you're so busy. There's so many exciting things going on here. <laughs> I do the thing. I do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And I wanted to do this. Hell yeah. And I am grateful. So let's get right to it. I'm going to stop talking and ask you this question where we okay. start the show and ask everyone this question. Mm-hmm. And as a, an extensive podcaster and a podcast guest, I can't wait to hear your answer. Pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great podcast. I think the most important strategy to have a great podcast is to really know and think about what your listener really wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And for me, I try to run my podcast more of a journalistic approach where I'm not chiming in with my own stories and my own you know, accolades and, and trying to shine the light and, and, you know, turn the mirror around to myself. I'm really trying to get the most out of the guest for the listener. And, you know, I am also the demographic of the listener. So I'm interviewing entrepreneurs that do a million dollars minimum and annual recurring revenue and have full-time employees. So I have a, a, you know, pretty specific demographic And a lot of people these days are having a lot of contractors and some, I just interviewed someone, I, I, uh, I took off on a tangent and I interviewed her because she has a $10 million company with no employees. So I might have to change my parameters, but we talk about company culture, core values, but I ask some questions that people don't usually ask people and people don't usually want to answer. And I don't ever put anyone on the spot. Um, and also I allow the guest to say, I want to edit that out. So I'm not ever trying to railroad someone, but I am trying to get down to the things that I want to know and what I'm assuming that my listeners want to know. Right. Because you are your listeners. I think it's so important. Has it always been that way? And were you thinking about that deliberately? And and because you do that, do you not have to worry about them as much? Because it's like, if you're interested, they are. I think so. Um, you know, one of the things that 
we as business people and entrepreneurs talk a lot about, and it's very revered, is revenue. And no one pretty much is willing to talk about real profit. Like what is their real bottom line? They can talk about it hypothetically. They can talk about it in like what they want to achieve, but not many people are willing to say, yeah, my net income last year was $50,000. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of those Inc 5,000 companies, I'm one of them. I've been on it for three times in a row. You see the revenue, but you do not see the bottom line. And I think both are important. Now, do I ask everybody what their profit margin is, their gross profit or their net? No, I don't. But I do ask some people that I know would be primed to be able to lay it out. Tough, tough questions, right? Talk to me about tough questions. How do you know they're the, they're capable of answering them? Mm-hmm. Do you prep them in advance? Now, I will say we didn't do a prep call, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you do you do prep calls? No. Do you, how do you so- <laughs> know if you can ask these questions of people? Oh my gosh. Well, I don't know for sure, and. Let's talk about the prep call. So yeah. when, when a guest is booked on the show, whether I invite them or they pitch me and I accept them on the show, sometimes they or their people will say, well, you know, what should they pre- be prepared for? What questions will you ask them? And my response is just a bit sassy, kind of like <laughs> I am. I'm like, listen to a couple of shows, figure it out yourself. Like, don't make me do more work. <laughs> And there aren't set questions, but you can get the gist of what will be asked if you listen to the show. And if you are a guest on a show, you should be willing to at least listen to part of one of the podcast episodes that you're on. Now, whether that's before or after, it's, you know, before is better, after is fine. And doing that host, you know, a, a source of gratitude in rating and reviewing and subscribing. I think it's professional etiquette and I don't know how many people are really doing that. It's extra steps, but what you're receiving as a guest is an incredible, a potentially incredible gift. Um, and so I just think it's the right thing to do. Love that. So many, so many cool. T- this is what I love about this podcast is that there's everything you, you just said like three amazing topics. I'd love to go down um, each of these different rabbit holes. The idea of guest etiquette, Mm-hmm. You know, you brought up the idea of, of writing, reviewing. I had one guest on who at the end of the show, I'm thanking them and they thanked me back and, and like told my listeners to go rate the show or to send me an email and say that they like the show. And I was like, that was cool. so not, and I, I sort of picked that up and I started doing that to other people's shows just to be thankful. I might do that too. I'm going to take it right from you who yeah. you took it right from them. Um, as, as far as how to know. I'm going to give you a specific thing. There is an editor of Entrepreneur Magazine that I had on my show. His name is Jason Pfeiffer. And I know Jason as a really nice, sweet, giving, teaching kind of person when I see him in person. But on social media, he is ruthless. And he will post pitches from people and then totally tear them down. Yeah. That sounds like my kind of guy. I love that. I don't love it. I think it's really (laughs) quite jarring for me. Yeah. I don't think I do that. (laughs) Especially the juxtaposition of the person I know in person. And then this, so I took, I took a huge 
I guess you would say, I mean, Entrepreneur Magazine writes about me. And I actually sometimes write for that magazine. If I offend the editor-in-chief on a live podcast, I could be blacklisted unofficially. But I asked Jason in that podcast, and I was willing to take the chance to kind of put him on the spot and let him know, you don't have to answer this question, and we can edit it if you want. And he was like, no. So he was very giving and teaching, like he is on this side. And I'm like, why do you do that? It feels kind of bad. And he explained why he did it. And honestly, I'm not going to tell you why you have to listen to the episode on right. my podcast, right. but he was forgiving and didn't seem to be upset or anything, but who knows? And you told that to him live. Like you prefaced the question by saying, yes. this is, might be a tough one. Please don't be mad at me. You don't have to answer it and we can edit it out. So all the things. And I left all that in the podcast. So you hear that exchange of me saying, yeah, might get, you know, into editorial trouble, but I really want to know this. Like, why yeah. are you doing this? You know, and I think in a way that works because it's that realism that we all wanted anyways. We got so sick of CNN and all these like curated, we, we want to hear the ums and the Oh wow, she sounds kind of nervous asking this question. Must be yeah. a really good question. I think we've we've missed that. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't miss that on that one. <laughs> no, it, I mean, so he answered it. Yes, and I couldn't not ask it. There was something about how much that affected me that I just couldn't do that to myself, and I couldn't do that to my audience. I was willing to go down in flames for that, but again, I didn't want to look make him look bad. Right. It was really, truly, why are you doing this? And right. so, his response yeah. okay. makes sense. And again, teaser, listen to the episode and you can find out. <laughs> so good. Have you ever had that not work out well? No. No. Mm -mm. So I've had, I don't know. I've been on the air for like 75 episodes. Yeah. So it's not been like years and years and years. And sure. I know. It's a lot of episodes though. When and who I can you know, ask those questions of, and I'm not going to ask them of people that I don't really care about the answer. So it's very curated. Tell me about that. The idea of not asking a question you don't want to know or care about the answer about. If I don't really care about the answer, then I don't think that probably my audience cares. And for instance, you know, we do ask our guests, you know, what would you like to talk about? Because I do want to honor what they want to talk about, but that doesn't mean I'll necessarily ask them about it. If mm -hmm. it doesn't resonate with me, if I don't think my audience will care, um, I don't, I just skip right through it. Got it. Okay. Well, I'd love to, I love the shift to more of a timeline question of the idea of like what you do before to start middle of the end of the show. It's kind of tactical, but kind of mm -hmm. um, relating to what we're just talking about now. And I know I outed you. I hope it's okay that, about the, the no prep call because yeah, it's just, no. it, it's an exploration of like, Absolutely. you're busy, no prep call. And mm -hmm. I need to be able to, and I also said yes for a reason because I wanted to talk to you. Uh, you wanted but, to talk to the girl who was like, yeah, I'm not doing a prep call with you. <laughs> I'm sure you were like, I want to see what this is about. Well, you know, I have a former boss who's like a thought leader now who, who, who said he wouldn't do it. And I decided not to interview him. So, <laughs> so if you're out <laughs> there, Eric, funny. sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
but uh, but that being said, do you just like a no bake cookie? Do you have like a no prep prep? Do you yeah. spend like five minutes untaped beginning? Tell no. me about that. I don't uh, because what I'm doing again is more journalistic and less um, relation. Like I'm not for the podcast that I have at this point, the thought of having the podcast wasn't a funnel into one of my programs or coaching programs or my book or my core business. And um, I feel like I do enough research about the person that I don't need a warm up. I don't, you know, some of the calls that I've had with, you know, professionals, I wished, and I do coach them. Like if you and I got on a call, we did not do any prep, but your lighting wasn't good. And you didn't have a professional microphone. I did this with a guy that had a $2 billion company. I was like, no, you're going to shut the blinds behind you. And you're going to go to another office in your room and get a light and stick it one and a half feet in front of you a little bit to the side. And you don't have a professional microphone, but I bet you have earbuds. So go get those. And I wouldn't have done the podcast had he not done that. We would reschedule. Got it. And you know, what I've seen is all the notices in the emails and the calendars in the world won't get people to do that, which is why I've done preps, but I, I actually respect the idea of being like, look, here's my audio standard for your listeners. I'm not going to you know, settle. I'm not going to compromise. Yeah. I don't want to put somebody in a bad light. I don't want that, their that interview too. to yeah. sound jumbled and, you know, look like they're in the witness protection plan. I want to shine the best light on them. And of course that relates to me as well. I want to have a really well-produced show. Um, as far as the, uh, you know, the pre-calls, I've found that uh, some podcasters have them to get a vibe check. That's cool. Um, I don't have time for that right now. If you want to get a vibe check, just like Google my name on YouTube and you're going to see who I am. I'm not different for anyone or or any situation. Um, if you want to get a professional, like, can she, can she speak on a podcast? Does she have the right equipment? Again, Google me. But this is a reason why a lot of podcasters want to do a pre-call. And I'm not sure if it's most of them, but they want to begin a business relationship mm. and sell to that guest. And I'm not opposed to that. If somebody says, hey, I want to book you on my podcast, can we have a pre-call so I can tell you about my business, <laughs> right? Let's, right? Let's just be like, call honest it what about it, is. it, right? Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's my belief for me, I don't need a pre-call. So there's that. And then as far as me as a podcaster and the guest, um, I feel like I can mold and sculpt my guests and kind of, you know, do wizardry to make everything happen the way I want it to. And I, that's a gift, right. Is to mm -hmm. be able to, um, meet the person kind of where they are. If they have lots of energy, I can have lots of energy, or if I need them to tone down, I can speak in a little bit lower voice and, you know, I can, so there's a little bit of wizardry that happens. You know, guest guesting wizardry. That's really, that's really interesting. And I also love how every now and then some of these topics make me like nervous inside um, because, you know, it's like, well, she hasn't told me to tone down yet. And, and yes, <laughs> you are correct. You don't need a pre-call. I think some people do. And so, but 
you certainly don't. Uh, and then the question is for the podcaster, do I make that call? Um, and I certainly did. And to your point, you can research them and find that out. Tell me about the research you do. Mm-hmm. It's not done on a prep. It's it's done offline yourself or you're Googling. Mm-hmm. What kind of yeah. things are you, you doing? So it depends on if um, I have reached out to the person and I wanted, you know, I, I invited them on the show. If I know them at any level, right, even if it's superficially, or if they have been brought in, I do more research with people if they've been brought in, if they've asked to be on my podcast, and especially if they are being pitched by a podcast pitch agency. So I'm looking for, um, I'm looking at what they want to talk about, what their area of expertise is. And then I kind of dig down and LinkedIn and a Google search, and I don't take that much time to find elements that might be of interest to me that aren't in the bio that don't relate to the core business and aren't in the questions that they said that they can speak to. So I'm looking for an interesting tidbit or gem. And sometimes I don't find it and that's fine too. And then I, I do come up with uh, questions. Usually it's six or seven questions. I, for the most part, ask every guest a couple of the same questions because I really want to know their response, their response to that question. And I didn't do it for this reason, but if I went through and cataloged the 75 or so entrepreneurs that I've you know, interviewed and just focused on the response to the one question in common, that could be a whole podcast episode, that could be a book, that could be a blog post, so on and so forth. And you, you mentioned the book, which I definitely want to get to in just a second. Um, this prep, how long does it take you? Five to 10 minutes. Five to 10 minutes. And do you write their intro when you, when you do that or using the pitch yeah. doc? So what I'll do is I don't ever voice the intro or the outro live. Mm-hmm. I um, do the intro or I do the interview first. Then I take the bio that they submitted and I will paste that to the top of the page. Then I will go in and edit their bio. I'll take out words that don't need to be voiced. I'll take out you know, certain accolades and, and then um, add what we like key things that we talked about. Yeah. So you're not gonna ever see somebody's bio uh, voiced by me verbatim to what you will see everywhere else. Oh my gosh. They're the worst, right? You get one of these like two paragraph monstrosities. Right. They're too long. Mm -hmm. And you know, you don't need to know where the person went to, you know, you don't even need to know where they went to college, but some people have like their high school, whatever, you know what I mean? So just make it as concise and to the point as possible. Got it. So this is a little bit of legwork, but that saves you from having to get on that call, which blocks off your valuable time. And that kind of thing. So um, very cool. Very cool. And and also not live. I've definitely heard both. If you do it right, I, they can all sound good. Oh, they sound um, live. It sounds live. Oh, it but... sounds live. You Okay. So it's not yeah. like, you know, with the music behind, Hey, the guest I'm about to talk to is really cool. Mm-hmm. But you do it in a way where you're introducing so-and-so and then they just start talking. Yep. That's cool. And I never start the, so when you hear my podcast, You'll hear the music bed, you'll hear the intro, and you won't ever hear, 
hey, Casey, so nice to have you on the show. And then Casey says, hey, Natasha, thanks for having me. You don't hear any of that. You don't even hear my first question. You hear the response. That's what every single podcast starts with. I love that. Tell me about your idea. Like, where did that come from? Was that a design you intentionally thought about to sort of organically evolve into that? I think I, you know, the pleasantries that we exchange are meaningful, but they're not meaningful for the listener, right? It's Mm. just wasted time. You may get someone hanging up on your show if you hear too much of the generic pleasantries. I am also... It doesn't look like it from my background, but a minimalist. And I really like to edit, 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 edit out the stuff nobody cares about because I want you to stay on. I want you to be like, oh, I can't leave now. Okay. Well, okay. After they're done with this one. Oh no, here. Okay. I need to know the answer to that. So I really try to cut the fluff. How far do you take that? Do you, you get rid of ums and. Cause there's software now you can get rid of yeah everything. I get rid of ums and filler words for the video. Mm-hmm. And my um, editor that does my podcast, he leaves a lot of them in for the actual audio, you know, version, but if somebody's stammering or, you know, we tend to, when we speak, say something, say something again, and then repeat it again, and then get to the point. And you're killing that. We're trying to, erase all that. You know, what's interesting is it it makes sense because dot, 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 all the way back to something you said earlier about the goal being of a journalistic nature. And tell me about what journalism means to you in that regard, because I think I come from the relationship camp. So I'm not as familiar with Mm. what does it mean to make a journalistic podcast, but I get the sense of where it's going. I will say this. I am very talkative. I have a lot to say. I have a lot that I want to boast about. And when I find myself as the podcast host, chiming in with a story of my own, fulfilling my own ego, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel bad about myself and I'll cut it out. Um, Now in conversation or in coaching or in lots of different ways, I will share everything about myself. But I look to, um, you know, the journalistic approach is I am this person and I'm trying to get information from my guest for my listeners. It's not an ego boost to me. It's not for me to prove to the guest or the listeners how amazing I am and that I've done this and that I've done that, or that I'm a great conversationalist or someone to hang out with. So now this isn't hard hitting news or anything, but I will tell my editor, I'll say, listen, I went on a tangent about myself. Get rid of it. (laughs) Wow. Brutal, brutal. Uh, But you know what? That's so needed because I think for me, there's a balance, but I I think it was a Rogan or maybe Tim Ferriss at one point was just riffing on podcasting. and was like, you just got to shut up and let it go because you've probably had this happen where someone's talking and they say something you're like oh my gosh i totally have a story to share about that or something but then they keep going and now they're on a different topic and you like just let it go you're not going to interrupt them and so you can get your story out yeah 
crazy. So journalism, it's not about the relationship. It's about the end product. It's not about you as the host. It's not a vanity project. And there's plenty of things to, to talk about. To your point, like we could talk about you all day about the things that you do well. Um, but when you're hosting, you're putting that spotlight on your guests. Right. I, I am not an expert in anything as a podcast host, except for being able to ask really good questions of these people. So I do have to have a certain business acumen, a level of understanding to be able to meet that entrepreneur where they're at. And yes, I've interviewed people that have had much bigger businesses than I have, but I can still hold my own. And I won't, I won't turn down, you know, a, a billionaire's, uh, you know, request to be on the show. And I won't not ask a billionaire to be on the show because I don't think that I have the ability to meet them where they're at. I actually know I, I do, I can. How do you do that? Tell me about that. And is it, does it relate to celebrities as well, or just people in a different world of, from I mean, you? Listen, it's, I'm 51 and I've had a lot of successes and I've had some really, really crazy low inflection points, but I've had the time to reflect back on all of those things. And I have a confidence clearly that um, allows me to do whatever it is that I want to do. And I don't really suffer from the imposter syndrome too often. And when I feel that coming on, I know exactly what to do to get rid of it. And it's to do research, learn, understand, and then sometimes that imposter syndrome comes from not having the experience. So what do you do? You get experience, you get experience, you get experience. Then it just you, disappears. Okay. So you're going to talk to Richard Branson tomorrow. No problem. It, and, and is that's because you've talked to other people like him so far? Or Honestly, what would you, I, you research this him? Is a, this is a funny transposition. I think that I can talk to Richard Branson, Barack Obama. Like I would, I'd love to have a, I'd love to have a conversation with Barack Obama. I don't know if I'd want to interview him on a podcast because, right. you know, he's got canned responses because he has to, right. But I have sung the national anthem for over 40,000 people at pro sporting events numerous times without a monitor and with no backing tracks. Damn. <laughs> If you can do that, that's kind of my carte blanche. If I can do that, I really can do anything. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if it's a celebrity or it, it just it doesn't matter. Will I be excited? I mean, I don't know how excited I'd be to talk to Richard Branson. He's really interesting, but. Yeah. But let's say, and I hear you too on the idea of the can. Have you had guests where they are that super canned? Thing, Cause that kind of turns me off when yes. I get like the fake person. Well, I have had on my podcast, uh, someone who was promoting her book and had a hundred, her name million, rhymes with no, and had a hundred million dollar business at the time. And I still wanted to have a journalistic approach, but she was like, just, just, she was on, it was as if she didn't even need me there. And I could tell she was just saying the same you know, sound bites that she wanted to get in. And when people um, that I interview sometimes repeat their business name over and over and over, 
you know, you, you get media training and you're like, okay, and, and remember to insert the, that's, that's a little annoying. It doesn't happen that often though. Same thing happened to me where someone, I, it was an author. Sometimes the slippery slope, I mean, we're all authors here, but they can be too authory and yeah. they just, you just see this veneer. Yeah. So in my book, <laughs> in my book, yeah. in the yeah. book, if you haven't read the book, <laughs> That happened to Rogan one time where he was talking to this one lady who wrote some books and she kept answering every one of his questions with like, oh, well, it's in the book. It's in the book. He's like, well, could you tell me about it now a little bit, please? <laughs> like, do, what do I have to do to get, get you? Yeah. Like, and everyone was thinking the same thing. Like, could you just please answer this? I'll go read <laughs> the book if it's interesting. God. <laughs> Crazy. Um, speaking of books. Tell me about your book expertise. We're talking just ever so briefly before okay. we got started about you magically yeah. transforming things into books. I've only magically transformed one thing into a book. Okay. <laughs> it's the story of my life. It is a, a giant saga. And you could you could say it's rags to riches, but I've recently decided that, you know, that the core of the story is I went from literally, and a lot of people have done this, writing checks they know we're, we're going to bounce for top ramen. Like that is not a special story. But going from that to being able to have paid out over $30 million to artists, talent, vendors, that's that's my hero's journey. Yeah. And so this book talks about the incredible challenges I had and then um, how I and this was reflected back to me, how I amplified every opportunity, both positive and negative to its fullest ability, to its fullest capacity. And that's why I'm here before you now with this like ridiculous overconfidence. Um, I've earned it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Um, what I found out though, with this book, which I love the most. So when I published the book, Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup of the Soul said, what's your goal for the book? And I was like, well, sheepishly, like I'd like to sell 25,000 because, you know, that's a big number for me. And he said, I won't be surprised if you will have sold a million by the next time we talk. So that gave me some confidence. Wow. What I had in mind was I want to see how many books I can sell. Yes, I know you don't make a lot of money selling books, but I still want to see the money guess what I'm not paying attention to at all anymore? Number of books sold or the money. What I'm paying attention to is the impact that I'm hearing reflected back from my peers, entrepreneurs. Mm. And funny enough, a lot of men are reading the book and I never expected that. And they are the, the most vocal with their underlines and highlights and you know their DMs and emails saying like, this is the book I wish I had the courage to write or thank you for um, humanizing mental health. And like, oh my God, you know, you know, secretly, this is, you know, they'll tell me secrets. And what I think this book has done is showed, you know, my fellow entrepreneurs, well, shit, if she can say this out loud, I might be able to start saying it too. And I yeah. put things in that book that my therapist and best friend didn't even know about me. And wow. here's a funny thing. My brother, who's eight years younger than me, he read the book and he goes, you know, good, good job, Tosh. That's a good book. It was written. Well, I don't know if I would have put everything in there that you did, but good for you. 
So tell me about the process that it took to write that. Cause I know now you're helping people do a similar mm-hmm. journey of getting all those thoughts on the paper. I am trying to save you all, you Casey and everyone else I know from going through what I went through in writing my book. However, what I went through informed me of how to guide other people through it in a, such an easier way. I wrote maybe 50,000 words at first, had someone kind of coaching me, then thought irrationally that I needed a ghostwriter. I just didn't understand the term. What I needed was an editor. Mm. I spent a ridiculous amount of money on one particular um, editor who was referred to me, but and I made the choice. I'm not going to blame the person that referred me or the editor themselves. I made the choice to believe in the fairy tale that this editor who was also a top New York uh, literary agent who had published really big books Mm. was going to be my ticket, the golden ticket. And the truth is she didn't have the skill to uh, help me as an editor. And man, that was an expensive lesson. I found another editor that was phenomenal. So maybe it was worth the wait. I don't know. But I have created a system and a structure for really busy entrepreneurs who cannot, like, especially ones that cannot, like, get organized, get their life story down. And it's really fun. And I just recently had um, a few of my students interviewed by someone because I didn't want to interview them and say, okay, so tell me what you liked most about my program. Okay. And so, you know, like that's hard. Yeah. So I had someone else interview them. And today I was going through the videos and I was like, Oh my God, I am really impacting these people's lives. And I'm so proud. I want to send it to my daughter who's 27 and she'll be like, yeah, whatever, mom, you're, you're so cool. You're helping so many people. But I'm 51, as I said earlier, I feel like my whole life has been research and development. And it's now at this point that I'm, I'm just getting started. Yeah. And do you have that itch where you've got one book and then you're like, I think I could write another one about that topic and that topic, yeah, but do it way few- better than last time. Oh, definitely. Oh my God. My writing has gotten so much better. I'm able to help edit other people's a lot better. And I think I'd be able to write my next book much better. I'll still need an editor. Everyone needs an editor, by the way. (laughs) Even editors need editors, people. Editors need editors, especially. (laughs) Um, It's like therapists. You better have a therapist. Um, Your therapist needs to have a therapist. Yeah, Absolutely. I love it. And I think I'm at the point in my life where, you know, I was waiting for someone to save me and take care of me my entire life, scraping through, figured out some stuff. I took a lot, right. I took a lot of advantages. I took a lot of, you know, I was, I was a taker disguised as a giver to an extent, but now I'm really in a place where I want to help people um, get over themselves. (laughs) You know, impact it's it feels so much more rewarding than everything else it just takes a little bit of time to get to that point where you're like yeah actually that was great that was way better than this other thing circling this all back together where do podcasts fit in can they help you in this book writing process i think that honing your um 
your voice, the person that you are and the, and the person you want to project, like the person that you're talking to me right now is very different than the person that my daughter is going to interact with later. But this is the person that most people that aren't my family are going to, right? And I have a definite sure. voice and I have a def like, is that because you're not yelling at me? Is that is that why <laughs> I'm not in I trouble? Feel, I feel like I'm yelling at you a little bit now. Um, <laughs> I'm confident because I've been on so many podcasts, yeah. but also I have refined my message and I've discovered my message, which is crazy. Usually you discover things in various other ways, but I found, especially as, as a guest, I'm discovering things about myself and about what this book is to me in real time, based on the questions that I'm being asked by the, the host. Right. So you, you get some of the same questions and then your answer gets better and better. And I'll give better. you an example. This yeah. blew my mind. I was talking to this um, podcaster. I'm going to say his name incorrectly. It's Kevin, I think, Waithy. Anyway, he's young. He's in his 20s, I think. And we were talking about number of books sold. And I said exactly what I said. I said to Jack Canfield, 25,000. He said a million. And this kid comes up to me and he says in the podcast as the host, he goes, but isn't even thinking about 1 million books a limiting belief? I was like, are you kidding me? So in which I'm, way? I'm limiting, I'm limiting my success to 1 million books and not more. Yeah. That well, was crazy. But, but tell me, did that inspire you to, to sell even more? Yes. Okay. So that did, think I, I wasn't sure if that was like patronizing or if no, that was like, no. it was all mm -hmm. about it. Okay. It was pretty cool. I was like, I just had a wake up call from a vantage point, mm. right. That I would never have encountered had I not put myself out there to various podcasts and other people. Gosh, the magic of making a connection or having them ask you a question that put it all together for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that, that's that extra benefit of just. Right. It opened a door there. that was never going to be opened and nobody yeah. else has said anything similar to that to me before or after. So I really appreciate that. Well, shout out to Kevin. Let's go buddy. <laughs> Let's go. So that's success systems. I think Is this is podcast. Yeah, that sounds right. We'll link to it. Really, I found the episode with you in it. So really we'll interesting guy. You can hear it in there. <laughs> okay, cool. See now, I, what a great, uh, great pitch. He's really interesting. He's um, really interesting. But it sounds yeah. like he's asking questions that are really helping things connect for his his guests, mm -hmm. which is just an awesome benefit as a host to be able to help either yourself or even your guest reach another level. That's just that's amazing impact. Yeah. So cool. Um, Sweet. Well, one, actually two more questions. We got, we got super fast. Got to keep on schedule here. One, what is your biggest challenge with podcasting? The stamina. So as a, as a host, I only record on Thursdays. Okay. And, um, I have someone taking care of all the pre podcast and post podcast stuff, but you will not believe this. I'm an introvert. So it's really hard for me to be on. And this is another reason why I don't do the pre-shows. I really have to conserve my energy because I am full on. I'm hundred percent with you right now, Casey. There's nothing on my screen. I've shut everything down. My yep. phone's silent. I'm all yours and you know it. 
right? So I give that to my guests as well. Then I record, you know, the intros and pop it into, and I'm tired. I'm mm-hmm. tired after three interviews. A hundred percent. And I wish I weren't. I wish I were the energizer bunny. I interviewed John Lee Dumas one day and I was his 19th interview that day out of, I think, 20. Wow. So he spends one day as a guest a week and one day interviewing people. And he has a $2 million podcast and he publishes his PNL for that podcast on his website. And he, he gave a pretty good interview. Would I give a good interview if it were 19th in one day? You know what? I would have canceled by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it short? Were they like 15 quick minutes? Little- 15 minutes. Long enough. Can you do anything done in 15 minutes? Yeah, absolutely. You can? Okay. So I should go, in your words, I should go listen to your interview with, with John and that'll help me understand because I'm kind of like that long form guy. My marketing podcast is like, it's a half Rogan in length. It's, so it's like time. <laughs> you know what? You need to do you. Everyone needs to right. do what is in their wheelhouse, what their um, zone of genius is. And you know, I can have a long conversation with you in person, but I don't know if my listeners would stay on. It's not that kind of a podcast. And to be I, fair, you'd be exhausted after. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, hours could, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Unless we were serving, like we had wine and we we're just kind of, I don't yeah. drink. You don't drink. Okay. Um, no, I just no caffeine either. It. No, caffeine? I don't drink coffee either. It's weird. Now you're getting into the weirdness of me. That's cool. That's, that's the interesting part, right? That's the part you don't get in the bio. People are like, how do you wake up? I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. Like sunshine and actually sleeping. I've I've literally never had a cup of coffee in my life. In your life. Never. No, I've had a sip and I'm like, that is the most disgusting taste. I do not want to acquire it. Was it black? Probably. Because, you know, Starbucks, they make things no, these days with like no. pumpkin, spice, yes. nutty latte. I can taste the coffee in those disguised drinks and I don't like it. <laughs> oh, it's a, okay. So, but you, yeah. you had a sip, so you at least have tried it and you're like, no, thanks. Nope. Okay. Well, I guess, yeah, I'm, that's, that's how I am with cigarettes. So I guess I I've can never relate had in some one way. of those either. Right. Yeah. I haven't even tried that. So, um, okay. Wow. So the challenge is just the resilience the emotional, the emotional output that it takes to be really on and do a really excellent job yeah and you know i do it in one day i was doing them on random days i'm like oh no because there's a different mental space that you have to go into yeah to, totally. to do this so i just i'm like that's my silo super smart thursdays thursday seems like a really good podcast day <laughs> i know today's a wednesday but that's because I don't know, but I'll tomorrow guess, is even, I will be a guest on somebody else's podcast on a different day because yeah. it is yet a different, um, energy to be the guest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you tell me about that real quick? How do you, how do you mentally, what switch do you flip in your mind? To- yeah. Well, I have to power the, in a, the podcast as the podcaster. I don't have to power as a guest. If you're a good host. Right. And I, I know that I can just authentically be myself and I'm trying, I want to give you all of me and it's unlikely that you're going to trip me up 
I mean, you can really ask me anything and you could even try if you want to like trip me up and see how I perform with the, with the response. Wow. Right. So, um, I'm just a lot more relaxed as a guest. That that's fantastic. Um, so much there. I know I'm not going to challenge you to get uncomfortable, but I do want to know what your favorite ice cream is. Rocky road. And I don't really like ice cream that much, but Rocky road, if I have to eat it. Okay. So if you were to sub out a different dessert, what would you, what would you pick? Mm, I like something with a little bit of chocolate and a crunch. Yes. So anything with those two attributes. See, you've boiled it down to the core archetype of the (laughs) proper dessert which means we can find one for you somewhere. Someone get me chocolate and crunch. <laughs> no producers <laughs> listening to this whatsoever. Um, <laughs> final thing, you know, shows evolve over time and you've done so many episodes now. Where do you see your show going? Like if we talk again in 50 episodes, what, what do you think we're hearing? I'm going to open up the show to include more types of entrepreneurs Um, At first, I wanted to really highlight high-level entrepreneurs, and and I thought that was the demographic that was really important to me, and I think at that time it was. But I'm entering in a space now where I'm going to be um, helping entrepreneurs scale and grow their businesses between 250,000 and 7 million. And so I would be alienating some of those people. Also, I don't interview any coaches and... um, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that are coaches. I'm probably going to drop the mandate that you have to have full-time employees. I had a personal um, pride in hiring full-time employees and giving people a job. And so I kind of felt like I wanted to support other entrepreneurs that were doing that, but the world has changed. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that don't want to be a full-time employee. So we're not necessarily doing them a disservice by hiring them as a contractor. So my mind is changing. Yeah. Love that. used to be a badge of honor for me to how many full-time employees did you have? Mm -hmm. And then you realize, oh, that's, that just means every month you're paying a lot as Mm -hmm. well. So yeah, um, my million dollar payroll pre-COVID didn't feel so good on March 17th, 2020. Gosh, Gosh. the problems just get bigger as the companies Mm -hmm. grow. Um, This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on here. Where can people connect? Let's talk about the book, the podcast, projects you're working, all that. Well, hopefully by the time this airs, you can go to natashamiller.com and see everything. And uh, there's a story behind that. Right now it's official natashamiller.com. I finally got the URL to my name after 30 years. Wow. Congrats. Did you need to negotiate for price on that bad boy? Yes, I did. And I paid a very pretty penny for it, but it's worth it. You got I it. just wish this gal would have realized the importance to someone like me to have that name. She never used it. She never was going to use it. And she stopped responding to any inquiries. And I was a performance artist. I have seven CDs that I produced. I really needed that domain name. And for her not to have given it to me was, is a sad thing. I don't mind paying for it because I'm all about profit. I'm all about commerce and entrepreneurship. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, I'm a little angry about that. If you can't tell a little bit, and that'll be on our therapy show, which is following <laughs> this one. You know, if people want to listen to the, uh, 
the green room afterward. No, no, it's not, I, I understand. I, I was doing some negotiating as well for those things. Um, I, I thought about just buying the company that has Cheshire.com mm. and, and then <laughs> keeping the domain name and then whatever the company wants to do. Go to I have them. a guy. I have a guy. If you need someone to do some deep, um, dark web, black. Oh market yeah. Everybody needs yeah. friends in those places. I got a guy. You got a guy. Well, that's good. I think that's my takeaway from today. <laughs> Tasha's got a guy. Um, thank you. So, okay. So we'll send everyone there. We'll link to that site in the show notes. People can just click right through. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on here, being your real self, teaching me, schooling me things, <laughs> showing me another way, showing me the journalism approach and all these different things. And, and I can't wait to read your book and, and learn more about you. Okay. So this is my opportunity to say, whoever's listening to this, go rate and review and subscribe to Casey's podcast. And Casey, I'd like to, um, I'd like to have you on my podcast. So you'll get oh, cool. invitation right after this. Cool. And I do meet the criteria. <laughs> so, so we're good there, uh, okay. but yeah, it would be an honor. I would love to, and you know, thank you for this. And for those listening, if you learn something and I know you did, cause I have like five pages of notes over here, then share this episode with someone else. That's thought leadership. Get to like four people, nine people, 3000 doesn't matter the number. Just get this in front of the right people. Check out the book, go get relentless, do a little book club with me, read it with me. Um, and I can't wait to report back to everyone else again, Natasha. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, everyone. This has been an exciting episode of creating the greatest show. I will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum. <laughs>